You're listening to episode six of the Architecture and Anthropocene podcast brought to you by Triennale Milano, Italy's foremost institution for design and contemporary culture, with me, David Pleasant. Each episode will be bringing you some of the thoughts and insights of architects, designers, urbanists, and a sound artist that have all passed through the Triennale's doors here in Milan. Having picked up the much-coveted Marcus Prize for Architects earlier this year, Tatiana Bilbao's upward trajectory is confirmed. Founding Tatiana Bilbao Estudio in her native Mexico City in 2004, she is becoming known as part of the generation of architects rejecting the notion of the iconic, self-referential tendencies of its elders. Architecture should benefit every single human on the planet, says Bilbao, and her recent exhibition at Yale University, entitled Two Sides of the Border, took on a very political dimension. So what does the rising star of Mexican architecture think the role of the architect should be? Tatiana, thank you very much for joining us. My first question, and it's quite a big one, I've heard you say that in your opinion, architecture should benefit every single human being. That's a big statement. Could you tell us a little bit about how the architect can possibly hope to do that and and how you're going about doing that yourself? Well, I know it's a little bit maybe innocent or maybe too ambitious, but I do believe that we could. I mean, if you think that human beings have as the second most important necessity a place to live, a refugee. We need food, water, and shelter. Shelter, we prove that we cannot live in caves, so natural shelters would not fulfill our lives. No, we need shelters that would enhance our lives, and this is why we started building things. And if you think that architecture could be there, solving that basic necessity, then it could help everybody in this planet. I think we haven't been there, we haven't thought of it, and this is why today I think architecture is almost irrelevant in the world, because we could call us relevant for the history, no? the placement of history through buildings, which they talk a lot about who we were and who we are. No? But that's not buildings for everybody, that's buildings normally for power, for representation of, um, of different institutions, for big infrastructure things, but they're not that thing that serves to the, every individual in the world. And therefore, I think people think it's not relevant. Well, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the relevance of architecture a, a little bit later, but maybe if we can go backwards and talk about your roots, both your family and your country, and how they've influenced your work. Well, I have a a very strange mix of uh, things that have built me. (laughs) From one side of my family, they're immigrants in Mexico. From the other side, they're refugees, political refugees in Mexico. So I have immigrants, German blood, refugee Basque blood, and I was born in Mexico, and I, I, feel, I feel I'm Mexican totally, although my history in Mexico goes to 70 years. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, 
definitely growing up in Mexico has formed me as, as who am I. I, I totally identify myself with, with my country, and I think that having this, I think this legacy of many, many cultures inside of me and many situations has allowed me to probably to broaden my spectrum and see other things and, and be able to understand other things because I do, I do can say that since I don't like, I don't belong to one exact place, I do, but I have like this blood that is a kind of a mixture, then I have this um, curiosity all the time of being open and, and understanding that although you were born in a place and you could be rooted there for many, many centuries, you're definitely a different individual that could probably be more engaged with someone in the other side of the world or really connect, identify much more than with someone that is your neighbor. You know? So I don't know, I think that understanding a little bit what I believe is um, profoundly the understanding of the other could completely solve a lot of other things. Correct me if if I'm if if I've got got you wrong, but I, I feel like you you belong to a generation of architects that are not so concerned with maybe what people call the iconic, the self-referential, the uh, the the star architect that that we all we all know uh, who who those people are. It seems like you're the post-star architect generation. Would you agree? Yes. And maybe. What do you think your, your generation of architects are and how do you fit within that? Well, I do believe totally that our generation has understood that the importance of architecture comes first and the importance of oneself. No? Obviously, we have to build ourselves to do better architecture, but I think that in an understanding of architecture becoming a little bit more relevant and not just a representation of power or capital, then you have to let yourself out and do architecture right? For the sake of it, for the sake of the benefit of the people and not for the representation of other things behind. And I think that, um, yes, definitely, I think there's, there's something maybe a little bit more in the generations that come behind me. And I do believe that it, it is a certain consequence of the crisis of 2008. That was on the cusp of when you were, were starting to get more, more commissions and, and, and working more. So that really had an impact on your work? I think for me, it came in a little bit earlier because mm -hmm. I, I studied uh, in the period where Mexico started to be global, you know, in this moment where uh, Mexico wanted to be this new global player. And therefore, obviously, when I was studying architecture, we also wanted to do architecture as it was done globally. And what was that? That was blobs and blebs. <laughs> Surprise in a country where we don't have machines to design or to build things. So... In the beginning, I tried really, even though I, like I had one class in my in my whole career of computer software, I was trying to do architecture that came from an algorithm with my hands. <laughs> Strangely, but I did, and then it was very stressful, I have to say, and very trying to do something that you couldn't do, you know. Obviously, I mean, I had my hands <laughs> and little more. And then um, going out and starting my own career and starting to do those kind of things we became very difficult. And then I understood, well, you know, this doesn't fit in my country, in my context, and in, in 
it doesn't fit, you know? I started doing architecture way more straightforward, a little bit more with the understanding of who is going to build my work, where is it going to build, how is the tools that are going to be used to be built, even before I could imagine how it's going to be conceived, no? Two imagine how it was going to be conceived. So then I discovered that geometry was an incredible way of communicating because uh, a lot of the people that build my buildings don't even know how to read. And before I believed that um, design or drawings was an, uh, uh, you know, a universal language, but it's not. You know, People that don't know how to read, they don't know how to interpret a plan, even though if it's just lines and, and, and drawings that it would be very obvious, no? It's obvious for me because obviously for me it's like <laughs> automatic. Uh, and then I understood that imagine if they don't know how to read, they don't know how to read a drawing, you have to explain how to do a structure that is not described geometrically. How do you do that? <laughs> it's not so easy. So you sort of started from scratch. Exactly. So then they definitely lived in a place, they built barely things, but they know what is a 90 degree angle and they know how to do a vertical or a horizontal line, you know? So then I discovered that, well, not discovered, it's not a discovery. I, I then realized that it was way easier to think how to use geometry to express and how to use it uh, very simply and very brutally, very barely, than to think how we could do more complex solutions with that, you know, instead of searching uh, geometries that are uncharted and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that for me came more uh, because of the result of what my context is, but I think that exactly because of that, my generation has a different understanding, no? Because when, when you face yourself in this moment of the world being, you know, outrageously growing in numbers and in, and in money and in show <laughs> and in the shows that it was growing and then there's a crisis I think you have to pay attention to what's happening no and I think that that's what my generation did as I said I believe even so that the generations after us they're going to be even more conscious of it. so that really explains maybe if I've been putting this question to all all our guests uh, trying to tie in the theme of the Triennale this year which is broken nature and designing for human survival that sort of fits what you're trying to do, would you, would you agree? I mean, I do think, it's not trying to fix things. I do believe that when we really put our most important efforts to think of the other, meaning you, you, or the plant that is there, or the brick that is there, or the stone that is there, we are going to be more responsible in that relationship for sure. I mean, because when you understand that that other you could be that other, then really you would not harm yourself, right? Well, maybe, I know some people do. So it's empathy as you're talking about. Exactly. You're talking about uh, an Absolutely. empathy in architecture, which Absolutely. do you think has been lacking? But when I go back to that, when I was describing those architects, do you think that ego gets involved of that empathy? Is, it, it blocks that? Is Absolutely. that, do you think, what's been but going I on? I think that um, obviously it was very, you know, very attractive to to be part of this display of, you know, power, no? And then obviously there's only a display of power, then there's nothing, then what do you do display yourself, no, in this mm. situation? 
And I think that it's impossible when, you, when you're building with empathy. I like your word. I like to call it the otherness or the alterity, the concept of alterity. But I think that is as simple as that. No, it sounds super simple, but I don't think we have had that at any point with anybody, you know? But I also wanted to maybe mention that you're a woman and maybe that's been underrepresented within the architecture world as well. Normally, in the beginning of my career, I never liked it to talk about it because I thought if I would talk about it, I would immediately place myself where there's a difference. So I thought I shouldn't talk about it because we're all equal. Why are we talking if I'm a woman or not? That doesn't matter. But I, at some point, friends of my gener male friends of my generation told me that they're not, you know, you have to speak. I, I know you don't want to, but you have to speak because this is a condition that is different from when it was before in different generations, no? And I wish, as Alejandro González Iñárritu said in, um, in the Oscar, when he received the Oscar uh, two years ago or so, I wish that at some someday, gender would be exactly the same as the color of the hair, no? It's not important if you have brown or whatever color of hair, but still gender is a question, no? So I hope that they, uh, one day arrives uh, that we, we don't mind. And for that, I understand that my generation has to play this role of trying to, to be open about it and speak about it. I also think that what is very, very different is that from the, the generation above me, women had to play men to really have a position of power or do anything, you know? And I think that that already has changed in my generation, no? If you see those those women in the generations above, they could, they didn't even have children because they had to play the role of men. In my generation, my friends, all of us, we have children, we're women. We're not playing the role of men. We're women uh, in equal positions of men. So already things are changing. I know, I know, and I, I very clearly know that I'm very lucky because I'm in a position where I can play in the same way as men, no? I know that they, I have the, the incredible luck of having these opportunities that are equally good for me than for my male friends, even though even I think that they're better for me, unfortunately, because I'm a woman, no? And right now it's like, ah, ex exhibition, we need a woman, Tatiana. <laughs> Competition, yeah. we need a woman, Positive Tatiana. discrimination or, exactly. uh, yeah. But I, but I do think that, um, Definitely is different uh, from the generations before me, even in my positions, no? Because, as I said, I think they had to play the role of a man, and I don't. Well, thank you for answering that. I, I can tell you it's not your favourite question, so <laughs> thank you for your patience with that. It was very interesting. Kind of my final question I was picking up on a, on a quote that I read of yours. You thought that uh, the notion of architects building utopias is dead or or utopia is dead and uh in some ways i thought that was a really refreshing attitude but also it's a bit sad is utopia dead i think so and i think it's bad <laughs> utopia uh, is bad or the, no, the, 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 the that fact that it's dead is bad because in the beginning i thought it was very nice because i think that utopia took us to a position where 
uh, we were like just representing capital and being like this egocentric place, in this egocentric place. So at some point I was very happy that they were dead. But now that I see students in schools and they're super incredibly realistic solving bathrooms and kitchens and this, I'm like, no, we need more imagination. Please imagine things, you know, beyond that. And we need to revive it in, in a present time, no? I don't think we have to go back and think what was utopia before. Mm -hmm. I think we, we have to redefine it and then and then search for that new utopia. And I'm, I'm not there. I think I play uh, in my work. Maybe this is why I'm desperate with the topic, because I play a, a very realistic role, no? And all the time I'm thinking how to solve immediate, very urgent problems, or maybe not, but beautiful things, tangible and not, um, not so imaginative or not so utopic. And I'm trying to do it with my students. It's difficult, as I said, because the generation, like, it comes from these, I don't know, maybe um, this moment of cleaning ourselves of the, all of those. And yeah, why not? Let's, re, let's reinvent Utopia. That was architect Tatiana Bilbao talking to me, David Pleasant, for the Architecture and Anthropocene podcast brought to you by Triennale Milano. Make sure to tune in to our next episode where I'll be speaking with James Binning of London-based architecture collective Assemble. You can download this and every episode of Architecture and Anthropocene by going to triennale.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.